0: friends, I'm Maria Peña, here with another episode of Voices for Change, where each week I will introduce you to people that are doing their part to enrich and empower the Hispanic community. Later on, I'll tell you how you can help make our podcast better, because it is, after all, a program meant to inspire everyone who wants to contribute to change in their communities. Welcome to our fifth episode. Today is Monday, June 15th. Exactly eight years ago today, President Barack Obama announced the DACA program to protect close to 800,000 undocumented young people from deportation. Effective immediately, the Department of Homeland Security is taking steps to lift the shadow of deportation from these young people.
1: Over the next few months
0: Any day now, the Supreme Court will rule on their fate. Joining us today is Cesar Vargas, a longtime advocate of the Dreamer movement. In 2016, he made history as the first ever undocumented lawyer in New York. He describes many milestones in his life in the U.S. as a roller coaster ride. Let's listen in. Welcome to the program, Cesar.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Maria.
0: So it's a pivotal moment in the immigrant advocacy community because any day now, uh, the Supreme Court is going to rule on whether or not the Trump administration um, had a right to dismantle DACA. Um, and I thought it would be really good to talk to start off our conversation about how DACA helped you personally uh, up, up until the time you adjusted your status.
1: See, this is an issue, a decision that will have a significant impact on Almost seven hundred thousand young people. It will have an impact uh, across the economy, and especially within this context of the economic and health crisis that uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic has brought on. We are seeing this decision being a decision that can have ramifications beyond anything that the courts really are considering, contrary to other decisions. So, you know, I think, and at the other moment is the human element. These are you know, this is my younger brother. This is, this is exactly like for me, I, I know exactly the, the feeling of, of anxiety, of just suspense, of fear, of just uncertainty, of not knowing what will come. It
0: is an election year. And unfortunately, a lot of the issues that we're facing as a country cannot be divorced from the politics of them. But Congress has been missing in action. You know, there's a House bill that hasn't had a hearing in the Senate. Uh, which would legalize all the DACA recipients. So talk about the politics of it. And
1: this is not a political debate. This is also a story about our neighbors. This is a story about your teacher. This is a story about your nurse, about the doctor, about people who are actually uh, trying to help the country deal with a crisis that we haven't seen before. And, and I think that is, the, that is a moment that, because once we take into a, the political realm, um, for us, we we, we have people, We have the side that's not going to support us no matter what, and that's perfectly fine. But one of the things that it's up to us is to tell our stories, to show the the impact of dreamers who are the twenty seven thousand dreamers who are in who are essential workers and in the medical field, literally saving your mother, your aunt, your grandma, your your parents. From
0: dying. Did it give you any hope that the Supreme Court was willing to accept an additional brief um, exactly on the role that DACA recipients are having in fighting the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Did that decision give you uh, a measure of hope?
1: Yeah, no question. I, I, I think it's not necessarily a measure of hope, but it's a measure of, of understanding that What we are seeing reflective across the country is this this issue both parties support. And even though legally there is, obviously DACA was never meant to be a a permanent solution, the justices are no question understanding that this is a moment, especially in time where where DREAMers are having a significant contribution to the response of the recovery effort due to COVID-19 and like they, their decision is gonna have a significant impact. So each justice, including Chief Justice Roberts, is understanding this because of the impact that it, it goes beyond just a simple regulation and the immigration regulatory scheme. This is a decision that will have an impact of how the entire country can be impacted by this decision.
0: It's been, it's been an uphill battle Uh, to keep DACA. And even before uh, Obama implemented DACA, DREAMers have been fighting for this for years. I I believe the first attempt at a a DREAM Act was way back in 2000 or 2001. So this has been more than a decade in fighting. And I know you've been there for most of it. Um, Share some of your experiences in, in in this battle for DACA.
1: This is just an exhausting process, and it's been a roller coaster of emotions, from from victories to defeats, from victories to defeats. And you know, for me, the first time that I I, I saw the Dream Act film in two thousand seven, uh, it was it was for me being on the sidelines, knowing that I was witnessing the possibility of the Dream Act being passed, and me at that time just had just graduated college, and I was waiting hopefully that this would allow me to live my life in a way that every other American kid hoped for, right? Graduated college and I could get a job. Now I could buy a home and live the American dream. Um, But those dreams shatter when the Dream Act failed. And politics and policy change, especially significant change in our country, requires getting out there. And that was for me in 2007, getting involved And being active and starting to tell my story of who I was, that no one else was going to tell my story.
0: It was exactly eight years ago today that the Obama administration announced DACA. Because remember, it was announced on June of 2012 and it was implemented two months later right now if you're on a roller coaster how would you describe this particular moment right now as we all await the supreme court ruling
1: i would say that we're actually climbing up to the highest peak of the roller coaster this is the moment where we are ascending waiting and just knowing that it is going to be a it's going to be a shock no matter whether it's positive or negative We know very well that it's it's we're ascending to a moment of of just uncertainty but we know it's going to be big and we know very well you know it's the the descent down is going to be hard
0: and our values are non-negotiable because we are going to remain
1: united we are going to stand together and ultimately we are going to demonstrate uh, but like anything else, we're we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to hold on tight, and and prepare ourselves for the next battle, for the next uh, mountain w- that we need to climb and ultimate descent.
0: Your own personal life has also been uh, a, a series of struggles. I mean, you were brought here as a kid uh, from Puebla, Mexico, uh, and your mom, uh, Miss Teresa Galindo, um, share with us some of those decisions, you know, the way your mom went about deciding that Mexico was no longer, uh, an option to remain in. And so you came up here as a family. Instead
1: of going home from after being picked up from school, we went to the town square, La Catedral de Puebla. And, and instead of going to just simply to a regular day out, um, she went straight to the altar knelt down and and praying and ultimately we came outside and i remember the pigeons i remember the noise and heart snapping a photo that i still have i still have the original and for me like i never paid attention to that picture until really a few past few years realizing that that photo actually was the last time that we were going to be in mexico And because in that photo, we had no luggage, we had no carry-ons. It was no plane tickets. It was just a plastic bag with our documents, birth certificates, school records, and other important documents that she thought were necessary. And for me, just knowing that she left everything because my father had passed away when I was just a child and she was alone, she was a widow. It was hard, especially for a mother who was alone now and with little children. For her, she took on decision that many people have taken throughout American history, which is, and throughout our world. Mm -hmm. She needed to leave Mexico because she could no longer uh, ensure that we would have a good life. Did you
0: go through Arizona or Texas? We
1: we went through, we went through, uh, we went through San Diego. And back then it, it remember I was it was rocky terrain and even though it was close to two major cities, it was still the way we crossed, I remember just it was being rocky, it was an isolated area and and it was very desert like. And and for me I for me I, I wasn't afraid, but I know that just being there waiting with the Coyote, the person that helps cross immigrants and my mother. And just then seeing the lights in the distance of the U.S.-Mexico border, it was it was just a moment of like, what are we doing here? But also like, this is exciting. But I can imagine what was going in my mom's mind and heart at that moment. I don't think she was as excited as I was being a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, just hearing the, the coyote goes, Vámonos, shouting. I guess that was a time that we needed to cross yeah. through 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 the through the highway, through the rocky terrain to get into where we needed to go. And and I remember falling down as we were crossing. Uh, my young, my younger little my younger and my mom falling down. And you know, there was no time to check whether she was okay. She was there was no time whether we were okay. I remember uh, picking up my little brother and my mom holding my hand and we were running. Uh, but for me, the, the most significant moment from that night was that no matter what, even when we fell down, she never let my hand go. Uh, and because of that love, I, I was able to, for me, live my American dream that at that moment, once we got to New York City in Brooklyn, for me, I thought the American dream was having a hot dog and being a, in a bubble bath uh, with, you know, with my toys and going to Coney Island in New York City. And just going through the roller coaster, and for me, I thought that was the American dream. But throughout the whole time, she allowed me to go to school and eventually uh, just live like any American kid. Um, and of course, until high school, where high school that was the moment that I started understanding what it meant not to have papers, not tener papeles.
0: You had the surreal moment where you made history as the first ever undocumented lawyer in new york
1: here on this momentous day uh, that one cesar adrian vargas was admitted to uh, the new york state bar so
0: congratulations Cesar! Uh, what was that like
1: so in my application for the admission to the new york bar i wanted to address the issue once and for all i wanted new york state and the country to know that it was someone who was undocumented and that we were we were uh, we were challenging the law especially federal law that prevented us from allowing giving law license to undocumented immigrants we wanted to like i wanted to ensure that it was not just about me i wanted to ensure that new york state could open the doors of the legal profession to every undocumented uh dreamer
0: but part of the reason why your case uh, you know established a precedent was the fact that um, you know you had your law degree but you were covered by DACA, which DACA doesn't really give anybody legal status. It just does the the first deportation, correct? And that was part of the reason why it was such a tangled mess.
1: Well there was there was legally there was a lot of confusion in that in that and even there was judges that— attorneys uh, attorney general new york who were dealing with the issue because it was it was i submitted my application when i didn't have daca and so it was on one hand it was like okay he's undocumented and then i submitted my application for daca and then i was approved for daca and then that gave a factor like okay well now he has a work status has some type of temporary status but it's not permanent and that could be taken away any moment i guess it's just in, in in a in more very simple and and for me, elegant terms, it was simply like the, the judge that's warming in that moment, he told his own immigrant story and he spoke about it. And the way they wrote it was simply like immigration status alone does not impact your ability to practice law, the ability to become a lawyer and to actually live on with the dream of serving the community. Because it was the first time that a state, especially like New York State, established that in law that allowed... And that opened opportunities, not just for lawyers, but now teachers, nurses, and beyond.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you were also able to fulfill another dream, which, you know, you held on to since you were a teenager um, after 9-11, um, that you wanted to join the Army Reserves. So, Tell us a little bit about how you went about achieving that goal and and that dream.
1: I enlisted in the Army because I feel, I truly hold that we are in the service of our communities, of the service of our country, and to keep and protect families. It's it's, it's shocking that my own government, my own federal government is trying to separate, trying to cause this harm on our families, on my family, and that my brother could possibly be detained and deported if DACA is taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Going back to the moment of, of roller coasters, it was, it, you know, when I remember when the moment that I, I got my green card, it was exciting. It was like, great. The very same week, I actually went to the enlistment office to to get my, to get sign my contract. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, it, it, it doesn't stop. Um, it's, I, President Trump announced a policy to prevent, legal permanent residents from enlisting and being sent out to boot camp right away wow. because they because they felt that it, the green card holders could pose a natural security threat. The court eventually dismissed that, saying that there's no basis for that. The Trump administration yeah. is, is just playing politics and he should let green card holders. But at every step, it was like, when I get so close to something, yeah. uh, something happens. And But I think for me, it was just the persistence of of moving forward, and whether it was the admission of, a, of of being into the New York bar and being into the military, there were people there who had my back. And this is where, now that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm close to literally becoming a U.S. citizen in a matter of possibly weeks or, or yeah, it, very soon, it's, I can never forget what it meant to be undocumented, to know because- and go through that process.
0: And are you, now, um, are you now in a better position, I guess? I know you've been helping other fellow um, service members, but are you in a position to personally help your, your brother, your, your mother who still don't have uh, legal status? Um, are you in a position to help them also?
1: When the, one of the reasons that was uh, significant for me to join the military was because uh, it was also a path to protect my mother. Not necessarily my brother, but my mother, because there is there is a legal uh, process in which the the family members, the direct family members like parents, spouses, children, uh, could benefit from legal protection and eventual path to citizenship if they if they have a loved one in the military. And for me, it, my mother was a major focus because she risked everything, and I needed to pay that back to protect her. and And I can tell you, being in the military, being in, in Missouri, in Fort Leonard Wood uh, in the winter with hands freezing, <laughs> no sleep, tired, hungry, and just in pain, back, you name it. Uh, you, need to, you need to remember why you're there. And for me, it was my mother that got me through this. It was about making sure that she was protected, making sure that, that she could one day visit her family uh, in Mexico.
0: Here's an idea for you um, in thinking about what this will mean to your mom uh, and to your uh, family. I think it would be really cool if you, if all of you go back to Puebla and take a picture outside the Catedral and, you know, compare it to when you left the, all those years ago.
1: My dream is to one day all of us go back and take that photo then and now and to reflect how much that we have shown.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself uh, uh, going back to a career in in, uh, providing legal services?
1: Yeah. And and at the moment right now, um, I'm the legislative director for uh, the chairman of the immigration committee. So I'm responsible for drafting and passing legislation and addressing all the issues affecting the immigrant community in New York City. And it's a job I definitely don't take lightly and it's a job I came back after I, I came back from the military that I had before, and for me, I, that's that's exactly what I'm doing now. That and now I have the power to craft legislation. So one of the legislation that we're working on is to prohibit New York City from contracting with ICE. Uh, so there's a lot of projects that we're working on, and and including one of the projects that the chairman uh, worked on that I was that was uh, that I, we were pushing in is providing uh, municipal cards. Uh, ID cards to undocumented immigrants that was eventually passed so uh, even though even though I'm at the moment I'm very limited in terms of Practicing law and taking clients for me. I felt that it's one thing to help a few people Case-by-case then creating policy and helping many more people
0: What message do you have to other young Latinos? Um, who are probably facing some of the very real struggles that you faced in your own life. What message do you have for them?
1: My message to all the dreamers and, and immigrant young people who are out there is, it's, you're not alone. With or without DACA, with or without any type of immigration status, there are people who are going to support you. And we are moving forward and we're going to achieve incredible things Regardless of our immigration status, what defines our dreams is the ability to dream big, to take on the next steps, and to break down walls. Literally and figuratively, we need to break down walls. And we're gonna win this, there's gonna be bumps on the road, but our job ultimately is to dismantle these walls and build bridges and allow others to have an opportunity for that American dream.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Cesar. Good luck with all your projects. Thank you so much, Maya. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Voices for Change. Thank you for tuning in. We hope to continue bringing you inspirational stories like the one you just heard. We thank you for your ideas, suggestions, and comments. So just look us up on social media or send us an email at voicesforchange@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Remember Gandhi's great advice. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Until next time...